Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. I'm Bradley and I'm joined by both Ben. Hello. And Stu. Hey. Um, after last week's probably somber episode, um, we're probably we're going to try and be a bit more maybe light-hearted with the discussion this time um, as it centres around family. Um, but we'll start off with the usual of what we've been playing. Um, I've got quite a bit that I've been playing, so I'm going to hold off for a bit, but we'll go with Stu first. What you've been doing? So I emerged from VR, blinking into the daylight, decided to see if there were other games out there in the so-called real world, and remembered that I have Game Pass on my PC and thought, hey, you know, I'm paying for this. <laughs> Better play some games on it. Um, and the first one that I picked was World of Horror. And Ooh, this is yeah. a this is a RPG, and it's done in a one bit style. Now I hadn't heard of this; I had to Google it. But it's basically, if you imagine like CGA graphics from about 1984-85, and the artist has done them in sort of pixel art. Mm. It, it's done in a very simplistic style. It's point and click. You have only a, a small range of options, but you can pick up lots of things for your inventory that tend to be sort of daily items. So just bits of food bottles, sticks to defend yourself with, the occasional steak knife. Very, very simple, very stripped back. But the mysteries themselves are really interesting. So, uh, for example, you'll investigate the school where, you know, a, a child has been involved in some strange uh, activity, some occult practices, and you have to investigate what that is and try and get to the heart of it. And each one of them's very short. It, it's about sort of 20 minutes per episode, and it all builds up to a bigger picture and a bigger story. So very simplistic graphics, actually quite intimidating and scary. Not to play if you're perhaps in a not in a good place mentally because it's um, deliberately vague but also quite frightening at times, uh, but also very intriguing. And if you're up for it, it's really good. It's on Game Pass. It's in early access whatever they call their version of early access. It's not a complete game, um, but it, it's 99% complete, just a couple of bugs. Um, and it's called World of Horror. So a couple of questions. I mean, I saw a um, very brief trailer um, for this, and that was enough to tell me that, yeah, I, I'm in. I don't want to see anything else. I, I'm picking this up once that's on consoles at a full release. It looks like it's one of those games now we're now finally able to see what people wanted to do back in like the eighties and things like that. They wanted to do these sorts of games, but the memory wasn't there on the systems and the power wasn't there to be able to do them. So what they're now able to do is take what looks to me essentially like one step up from a text adventure, but fully flesh it out and allow it to do the things they always wanted to do because the power is there now there to bring the old technologies in line with what their visions were. Is that kind of what it comes across as? Yeah, certainly to some degree. I think, I mean, it, I, I wasn't really into the 8-bit era of, of home computers, but mm. I think that based on what I know of, of what I played, mostly on a specy at my mate's house, there's very little here that you couldn't do on something a little bit past a specy. So perhaps like the Amstrad or something, uh, or the the C64. And and like you say, the, the constraint was probably just the amount of RAM that you would have needed uh, because there's a lot of 
a lot of pictures there's a, there's a different picture for every scene a piece of art for every scene and there's very little animation but there's a tiny bit of animation sort of just that basically that static picture j- you're jiggling up and down you know to to simulate movement sort of thing um so you could do you could do that for a c64 for example but you would only be able to fit in you know i don't know a handful like 10 or 12 scenes whereas obviously with this with the power of modern systems the, the number that you can do is, is only constrained by the number the artist can be bothered to draw really so uh, you don't come across any repetition that isn't deliberately part of the story so yeah i'd agree with that it's deliberately old school but it's much broader in scope and scale than you would have been able to get back 25 35 years ago Brilliant. again i think that's something i really like to see and what's, what's really good about the um the way the indie scene has grown that you, you're able to get this the other thing you mentioned um and it's intriguing is you feel that depending on where you are emotionally or mentally at the time is how much i suppose the game can affect you in, in what way in what 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 buttons is it pressing that you would have not concerns but you if you was in a maybe a low state you really shouldn't be playing it or anything like that what what causes that yeah so there are cautions there are sort of uh not red flags but sort of yellow flags amber flags if you like around it um and i think that i would say because the people are vulnerable in the game and a lot of them are young people and some of them have been hurt you know cut mutilated that sort of thing if there are any topics around that that would upset you in the normal course of affairs then it's pro- probably best to avoid and it there are sort of familial familial aspects as well of you know people that you know and care about being in danger and being threatened or having had died and the way that it presents them is not lurid or sensational but um the very fact that it's quite uh subtly done and nuanced actually makes it a bit more mature and a little bit more the emotional impact be not incredibly impactful or strong but subtle and uh, a little bit kind of yeah it's on the negative side of things from that perspective yeah so it's designed as a kind of psychological horror as much as it is as a body horror and if you if it's the like of like Jake Jacob's Ladder. If you've seen that film, it's yeah. on that kind of scale. You know, if if you don't feel emotionally ready to, you know, encounter that at the moment, I'd recommend staying away. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's definitely one that has intrigued me. Um, and I say, as soon as that's out on consoles, I'll definitely be picking that up because if it's on PC Game Pass, I'd imagine we'll see that on Xbox Game Pass as well. So Ben, are you able to lift the mood up slightly for World of Horror? <laughs> well, there will be a review up on the site very soon. But for the past few days, I have been playing a 2D novel stroke fighting game called Undernight In Birth EXE Late Clear, just to give it its full rambling title. What I really, really liked about it, I think we. Sp- we obviously spoke a few times about Injustice 2 and how that's very good at bringing new people onto the game. It's got a very good onboarding system. This goes to an even greater level of depth. Uh, the tutorial mode on this game is staggeringly deep. You know, you could come into this having never played a fighting game before, 
do the tutorial and actually be quite well versed in fighting game mechanics by the end of it. Once you get fighting, it's very fast paced. And again, it's it's beginner friendly. The default setting is it's pretty easy. Like I, I went through arcade mode on my first go. I don't think I lost a round. So, you know, it, it's quite beginner friendly in that regard. Once you put the the difficulty up or go online, that obviously all changes. What kind of uh, fighting system does it have? Does it have um dashes and does it use like street fight half circles or is it a bit more like blaze blue or guilty gear a lot of the inputs were very similar to street fighter um yeah it it was a game that felt familiar even though as i say i'm not particularly well versed in anime um and it was very easy to pick up and play that aside it's just a game that does its job very very well like the core mechanics of it are fun to play um the fact that it goes to such depth to get people familiar with, with its mechanics i think is only a positive it's a fun game to get lost in excellent i've been playing plenty um over the past week or so um and there's a few i did want to speak about but i'm gonna kind of stay on brand almost based on what you've been playing because i've been playing um uh, cl fledge a daughter raising simulator so essentially you 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 are in a future fantasy world um earth has been inhabited by has been um invaded by aliens and humans have had to leave the earth and now live on floating cities in the sky what you've essentially got is have either of you played persona uh four specifically no no, but essentially, I mean, for anyone who has played the Persona games, there's the element where you do the dungeon crawling, and then there's an element where you do daily life. And Seal Fledge, or CL Fledge, is mainly based around that whole idea of day-to-day activities on a week-to-week basis over a course of 10 years. But mixed in with this as well, there's almost a card-battling, match-free style game that is used to represent your your class lessons or interactions with people. And it became a really weird game because there were points I was playing it, I didn't like it. But the story in it and the writing actually surprised me because I was invested in this, this girl I was trying to raise within the game. I was actually invested in how she turned out. It is a really, really good game. And again, it's another indie game that's doing interesting things. That's really cool. I mean, was it a, is it a Japanese game? Um, they're Indonesian, uh, the developers. Studio Namapa, they are called. So anyway, we'll move on to our main subject is talking about how mental health affects those around us and specifically our families. Stu? Yeah, I... I mean, I I occasionally have issues, I think, that everybody has with their general mental health. But my wife has some issues that are sometimes very minor and sometimes quite acute. And before we go any further, it's just to say it's absolutely fine that I'm talking about this. My wife encourages me to talk about her issues because she she wants exactly the same thing that we on this podcast want, which is to normalize as much as possible and just show that it's part of everyday life. And yeah, so she obviously faces some issues uh, with her mental health that occasionally uh, impact her very, very negatively. 
And when somebody's being impacted negatively like that, the first people who notice and often feel the effect of their family around them. Now, for me, the more I know about where she is and how she's feeling, the better I can cope with how she's feeling and then change things to make sure that she's in the best possible place that she can be. So I find that the the limited things that I can do to help um, are cumulative. So the more I know, the better I can react. So she'll, for example, if she's feeling very, very low, it may come out in, um, you know, a slightly more angry or upset pattern of behavior that will look like it was entirely generated externally. But I'm kind of, because we've been together for 15 years, I can spot when actually the thing that she's referencing actually may be nowhere near that level of importance that you would normally associate with a very, very negative reaction. And I will then adjust how, you know, how we're interacting to make sure that she's okay. So that might mean going, oh, don't worry about the washing up, I'll do that. Or, oh, we were going to go to such and such a thing. We don't have to do that if you don't want to. And sometimes just taking little pressures away will be enough for her to yeah. to feel better. And then at the end, when she's she's not in that situation anymore, she will say, oh, God, I was feeling so crap. Uh, I'm really glad that we didn't have to do X or that I was, you know, I was doing such and such, doing Y instead. And um, it's just being really sensitive to how she's feeling at the time. But just being a human being and knowing how much of a tosser I can be as, as a human being, because <laughs> we all are occasionally, um, I think, yeah, you, you're going to impact the people around you and being as cognizant of it and as honest about it as possible is the only thing that I can I can think to do, really. So one of the things, obviously, you said, like, you do little things that no can help her through. Um, and my partner's really good for that. But with your wife, do you have any particular... Does she have any particular traits where at times you're just going, just stop it right now? Um, I don't think there are any that are outside what you'd think of as being part of quite a normal everyday life. I think... <laughs> Obviously, without getting yourself into trouble in case you listen. <laughs> no, absolutely. But um, I don't think there's anything that, you know, I think there's the general husband and wife stuff that that happens. I don't think, I think there would be, except for the fact that kind of even in the first couple of years, I learned to interpret a particular set of behaviours as being unwell so it's exactly the same as if mm. you knew absolutely nothing about let's say um a disease that lowered white blood cell count and you you didn't know why a, a per, like a person in your life suddenly looked very different or their behavior was very different then you learned about that that illness and you're like oh right okay they need more iron or they need you know whatever i, I think yeah. i kind of developed that just for mental health um, on the mental health side of things as well. And it's kind of like, oh, right, she's ill. So she's ill, we give her, you know, paracetamol or, you know, we go to the cinema, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Thankfully, I'm in that position, I think, where we're communicative enough to to do that. We knew each other for, uh, ooh, we've known each other for like 22 years now. So it, it's, a, you know, 
in a, in a fortunate position from that. So I can interpret those behaviours. Uh, your experiences, Ben, anything different? Or because, again, I think your your relationship's probably, again, at a different stage to what mine is to Stu's as, as well, I believe. Yeah, so we've been together for it'd be six years in July. Um, and yeah, we've had huge ups and downs, which I can only attribute to my mental well-being. Won't go into too many details, but yeah, there was at one point very fortunate to uh, to not have that relationship ended. Things for me have improved immeasurably since I started taking much more responsibility for my mental health. Um, I say I'm very lucky to have a, a very patient partner who is open to listening, but I think only as long as she can see that I'm making an effort to not just wallow in a bad mood or in a slump or a, a crap day. I think one one aspect of my mental health that I found the most frustrating or I slowly realized was a frustrating part of it was how how my self-awareness was being reduced. You know, when I'm in a slump, there's no pretending otherwise. Like I'm a twat to be around. And I really used to indulge that by wallowing, you know, not sharing what I was feeling, just being a completely closed shop. Um, to the point, you know, I could even see people were, whether it was my partner or friends would be frustrated, like, oh, we'll just give him his space. Like, don't yeah, just circle around him. Um, he'll come to eventually. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that people were that patient. Um, but, you know, after a series of counselling and actually really digging down into sort of the problems that I had or issues that i I've had within myself I'm much better tuned to those around me and how my moods can affect them and that mainly comes by taking responsibility for how I'm feeling and then being more open about it so not just being a closed shop actually saying you know look I'm I'm really not feeling great today and I've found you know the first few times you do that it's it's actually quite daunting we can talk comfortably with strangers but you know the person opposite us who we're closest to it's quite a scary step to take but i've found that being more open actually really helps the process of dealing with that negative emotion that i'm feeling um, rather than letting it fester and becoming a the cause of a, a different a, an unrelated argument or, or whatever um, and obviously there needs to be a balance and certainly a self-discipline to not just wallow and it be all about me because you know as i said before i find the the lack of self-awareness that i had really really frustrating but being in a position where you can actually openly share i think that it becomes more apparent that you know everyone has their own issues too and starting that dialogue whichever way it comes from opening up a two-way dialogue I find or have found that it's really enhanced our relationship, specifically with my partner, but also with friends. Um, and, you know, I've got quite a small family. It's, to be honest with you, mental health is not something I openly really discuss with too many of them. It's more my partner and a few close friends. But having that dialogue, it one, really helps heal the emotion and deal with the emotion. And then, as I said, we realize that, yeah, they've, they've got stuff that they're dealing with too. So it's how we can work through issues together. Um, I now realize a much, much better way to deal with things rather than being the closed book that I'd often, you know, default to before. 
Yeah, I think that that's an interesting point when it comes to self awareness. Um, those are around you. It's it's it shows how strong they have to be. And I've, one of the things I've noticed with the mental health discussion, there is so much focus on those with the mental health issues, but there's very little focus given when you look across social media or you look across the campaigns on. I think the support network around around mental health sufferers and the help that should be there for them or the discussions they need to have as well um so for example you show you know you said you're you're a lot of it's you're there for your for your wife um but what do you feel's there for you like when she's on a really downward motion and you're doing everything to support her that will obviously have an effect on you so where do you turn well i mean on that very issue so about three years ago, um, my wife went through a very, very tough time and, um, you know, she was suicidal and, and she was at the point where uh, she was so distressed and unable to function that we had to go to A&E and, um, you know, get, she had to be assessed at A&E and we, we came away, you know, with just a GP appointment. It, it wasn't as serious as, as needing to be hospitalised, but she was in a terrible, terrible state. And, um, I kind of helped as much as I could with her through that. And then after that, sort of when we were just recovering from the effect, I had a real dip and I basically got a uh, terrible anxiety and like my focus, uh, it was sort of a generalized anxiety, but also focused around claustrophobia, which has always been a thing for me. It's been like a, uh, like a trigger, if you will. Um, and it got to the point where I, I couldn't go on any public transport without being really, really, you know, terrified and, and basically feeling that I was going to die because the anxiety was that intense. Uh, so I went to the doctor for that. I didn't leave it very long. I think in, terms of how quickly men tend to engage with mental health services it wasn't very long it was only like a couple of months I think but I should have done it sooner um and that really really helped and time has sort of helped be a healer plus also I was on some meds to help with with the anxiety and you know that really helped as well reaching out for it I don't think I would have done it as quickly if I hadn't I've learned so much positive stuff, you know, from my wife and from my other experiences, but mainly from my wife about how beneficial it is to go to the doctor and tell them what sort of situation you're in. Um, if I had a recurrence of that, even three years on, I mean, the services available in the UK to people are uh, underfunded and difficult to access in, uh, and it will be very much based on your sort of geographic location how good they are but it, it really does flag up how you know how important it is to be able to have that access to to mental health professionals but even if you don't um i would recommend and i would do this myself if i found myself back in that situation is you know tell people how you're feeling the people that you trust tell them how you're feeling uh so that they recognize where you are in in life at the moment and also, you know, use services like Samaritans. Um, you don't have to phone up. You can uh, email or text if you feel that just unburdening is something that will will help as well. 
even sort of shouting into the void as it were is sometimes a good thing but expressing how you feel you know particularly as you said ben and not i wouldn't have used the word wallowing but i I know it's a good and evocative word but perhaps you know re-engaging with the things that make you unhappy can be like a spiral and can cause a spiral and just communicating to people if you feel you can can sometimes get you out of that um so yeah if i found myself in that situation again i would definitely try and talk more yeah again it seems like again all of us i think can attest to having a strong partner um or family member with you is so beneficial to your mental health it's just recognizing the signs not to abuse that too much excellent so yeah um that's pretty much it um for this week spoke a lot about self-fledge i've been playing plenty of games though um and you'll see reviews for those on the site soon or depending on when you listen to this they'll already be there we've got a few exciting things planned for the site hopefully we'll have more videos on our youtube channel over the coming weeks and months we're going to look at expanding not just video games we're looking at um a mental health gaming expanded and we'll include things like uh films tv and basically anything else that's not video games that could be related if you like what you're listening to, please do subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and join in the discussion. Because again, we talk about our mental health, um, which is great. But if we can be here and respond to you as well, or you you need an outlet, feel free to join us. Find us at the usual places. We will be back next week with further discussion. So again, I've been Bradley. I've been joined by Ben and Shu. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week.